Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. Joining me from North Carolina, as always, we've got Trey Barrett. What's going on, guys? Looking forward to chatting a little bit of week five tonight, a little bit of dynasty strategy, maybe a little bit of daily fantasy uh, nonsense. It's going to be a, a good night. I'm looking forward to chatting. It's going to be a great night. And also joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota, we got Will Greenwood. Will, what's going on? I, I am excited for tonight. I'm coming off Aziz and sorry comedy show so if the jokes just roll off the tongue it's not my fault blame it on aziz uh also that i'm really funny nice I, i've already introduced myself i said we're the fancy joes and i introduced my my co-host i'm ryan livergood at roto librarian i'm a happy man because the bears are still in first place and then i see north and the offense seems to be humming it's helpful when you get to play against tampa bay and their third string players on their defense right but before we get into that, um, first of all, this is Fantasy Joe's Uncut, Uncensored. This is usually our Patreon show, but we decided this week, you know, let's, let's just roll the dice. Let's let it all go. Let's put it on the table. Let's just put this out as our normal show. So this is what, kind of a preview of what you're going to get um, with the Uncut show. So you can support us on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Fantasy Joe's and, and check that out. So this is the Uncut show. Guys, Ryan McDowell tweeted this um, eight hours ago. Players with the most RB1 games this season. Um, there are two that have four RB1 games. Do we know who those two players are? Early Kamara. Easy, right? Then you got three, uh, or excuse me, two players with three RB1 games. That is uh, Melvin Gordon and uh, Saquon Barkley. And then you have six players with uh, two RB1 games. You got CMC, James Conner. Adrian Peterson, uh, his partner in crime, uh, Thompson, uh, Gio, and Isaiah Crowell. Hmm. So, so, guys, I think these numbers are interesting because, you know, you're, you're hearing about the, um, you know, um, you, you want to – it's, it's all about the wide receivers. Wide receivers are pick, putting up big numbers. But if you think about it, this list shows you that if you have one of those stud running backs, you're, you have such a huge advantage because um, – you've got what we've basically got um uh, these four guys you know camara Gurley, gordon and barkley that are, that are putting up these monster numbers so consistently i know it's a small sample size so what say you um is it is it getting a little bit overblown about the um return of um you know uh of uh yeah i guess return of zero rb what do we think well i think that one we were due for a little bit of regression this year towards the wide receiver, right? The last year was, was, you know, all the running back rage and passing was kind of down. And uh, I, I know that there's been a lot of talk so far that the, this is the new NFL and it's the roughing the passer penalties that are totally changing the game. And I don't know that I completely agree with that. Um, I I think that we're going to see some regression. I think that you're going to see offenses, start to slow down a little bit. I think, I think some of these, you know, obviously Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is the big name right now in the, in the quarterback production conversation. 
Um, he's looked great. He's a special talent, but there's just no way he's going to continue the pace that he's at. I, I think I heard a statistic earlier today that seven quarterbacks right now are on pace to pass for over 5,000 yards. And last season, uh, the leader in the NFL in passing yards was, I think, Tom Brady at like 4,500. So there's essentially seven quarterbacks that are set to, to obliterate what the number one quarterback did in the NFL last year. And, and I'm just not sure that I'm buying – this completely new, you know, offensive explosion. I think that we might see things slow down as the year wears on. Um, but it's it's certainly interesting conversation. So Rich Rebar was um, on the couch this week with Sigmund Bloom, and they were talking about um, kind of player values by position comparisons. And, and listen to this, Will. So the on average this this season, the wide receiver twenty four put up about 50% of the, the numbers of the wide receiver one overall. Uh, the quarterback 12 put up about 48% of what the QB one overall put up. The running back 24 only put up about 30% of what the running back number one put up. So, you know, you, you look at wide receivers, it's, it's a real deep position, and the same with quarterbacks. We're seeing that, right? Uh, running back, not so much. So – what insight do we have, if any? Is it, is it too early to tell what's going to happen? Are those stud running backs worth more than ever and you've got to get them on your team? I, I don't think this is a massive change with, with how things have been happening. Uh, one, the, the running back one overall has been putting up massive stats compared even over a season-long league over the running back 12. Like Duke Johnson in a full PPR finishes, you know, it's a top 12 running back. And Todd Gurley nearly doubled his output from, from last year. I don't think this is a huge this shouldn't be like a shock and awe value. I think through four weeks is interesting too, even with the Christian McCaffrey stat, because he's missed a game. I mean, he's only had, he's, he's two or three, you know, 33% being a, a running back one. Give him a, a, l- a little bit of credit. You know, he, he didn't have the opportunity. Neither did Peterson or Thompson. So two out of three weeks, their finishes as, as RB ones in the first four. That's huge for them. Their percentages are way up there. Uh, versus, uh, and so I think that matters. There, sorry, I should say that that's sixty-six percent of the time. I said thirty-three. No, so yeah, you know that's pushing them. That should push them up a little bit higher in this list. I think that Geo and Crowley even in there. You've seen some a massive change in the NFL with at least the first four weeks and the way things have gone down. I, I you know, I, I don't have a really solidified opinion about how all this is going to go into the future, except for. I think we're witnessing a, a change in the NFL and the change of the guard and the way things are working. You're seeing Kamara and Gurley. I mean, Gurley, I think, is a unique case because he's one of the best in-between-the-tackles runners in the entire league, along with being a great receiver. Versus Kamara, you don't see him as that way. But he ran for three touchdowns last week. You know, he's, Kamara's a special talent, and he got missed in the draft, and he's, he, you know, he's exploding on that offense and what they're doing. So I guess the, the long story short was I'm going with this is what you're looking for in your, your RV one, if, if you didn't get one of the top three that you were thinking, or you didn't, you know, you didn't get your top guy, you've missed out. This, this like RV seven through 12, it, you know, if you could trade two of those seven through 12 RVs for one of those top seven running backs, you would do, you would do that now. You know, you needed to, if you can convince somebody to take two RB ones, but lower end RB ones for a top end RB one, that's an easy win for you. As far as trade value, I don't know. It's the, I think we're just now seeing more of the dynamic of the top five, three to five running backs exploding harder than the, the, the running backs after that. And it's just becoming more acknowledged now in these first four weeks because it's happened in these first four weeks. 
Yeah. You know, something else that's happened in this first four weeks, um, week four in particular, Mitchell Trubisky finally had the breakout game. And that leads us into our moments of the week. And this week, we're going to call it our Mitchell Trubisky moments of the week. So, Will, what's your Mitchell Trubisky moment of the week? <laughs> so my biggest one was I started uh, Taylor Gabriel in DFS and our Konami code, my, my real lineup, and the end in a redraft league. I ended up losing that redraft league, which, which was kind of wild because I made some plays for the future. But give it up to you know having some process leading to results. You saw that uh, Anthony Miller was going to be out. And they were, you know, they're going to play a really, really weak secondary. And so Taylor Gabriel was an obvious play, I think, for the most part. But it's, it's just, to me, it's just really nice to see the process of identifying a guy like him and having it pay off. How many times have you identified somebody who should blow up and hasn't? So the fact they did, just, just, it's a really satisfying feeling. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I love it. It's always nice when the, the, process, the results match the process. Great call there. Trey, what about your Mitchell Trubisky moment of the week? Well, for me, I um, had a pretty good week this this week in dyna- with my dynasty teams, uh, especially my my teams that I consider to be uh, contenders or p- potential contenders. You know, at least teams I feel like should be in the playoffs. Um, they they all won, and uh, a, a couple of them actually several. It actually brought me to two and two, and and you know, kind of a couple of the teams. It's kind of surprising. I mean, I've got what I feel like is uh, the best or easily top two teams in the league. And, and, and both of those teams won this week and, and um, to get me to two and two. So, and I think that's a great, you know, kind of segue into what we're going to talk about a little bit later as we talk about strategy a little bit. Um, it's still early, man. It's, it's only four weeks. So don't, don't give up hope. Um, but I had, I had a good week this week, which was, was kind of nice because it's not been that way so far this year. Yeah, well, obviously my Mitchell Trubisky moment of the week is, is the Bears dominating the Bucks. We'll see how, how, if they can sustain that um, on offense. Um, you know, I want another thing I want to talk about is Patrick Mahomes on Monday Night Football. It was just so much fun to watch that game, watch him, watch him bring them back and win on hustle environment on the road. That was an amazing performance. If you're just looking at the box scores, you didn't see it, you're thinking, oh, you know, Patrick Mahomes has come back down to earth. But, man. That kid is so talented. He's just going to be so much fun to watch. Um, you know, also, so, you know, selfishly, I'm off to a really great start in several of my dynasty leagues. I had a really fun matchup in League of Ballers um, this week. So Matt Halverson, shout out to him and SoCal Hit Squad. So I knew it was going to be great because Thursday night he had Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I had Stephon Diggs and Brandon Cooks. And they, all those guys put up big numbers. And it just continued through the weekend. And you know, I ended up winning with a really high score. He had the second highest score in the league. So it's always fun when you've got that high part matchup against a competitor in your league. So that was a lot of fun. Well, I, think, I think you should rephrase that. It's always fun when you win that, when you win that matchup, <laughs> Ryan. Okay, it, it's, it's fun. It's really when you, terrible when you have a super high-powered matchup and you, and you still get the same amount of losses as every other team that put up 100 points. Yeah, that's, that does stink. Um, okay, but uh, so letdowns. Um, the Fitz magic is gone. Let down of the week. Oh, and then Will put in the show notes. I or, or or Trey Earl Thomas middle finger of the week. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I love it. So Will, let's let's go with that. It's better. What's your Earl Thomas middle finger of the week? <laughs> uh, besides the gruesome injuries, too, or not? Earl Thomas wasn't gruesome, but I still feel bad for the man. 
Uh, Tyler Eifert's injury was horrible. I just, just feel sad for him. Like you can't, I don't know if you can really strengthen your ankle that much more to where it doesn't snap off like it did with him. And that just sucks. Uh, and then in one, it's another lineup lineup issue, which I seem to be struggling with this year that where I feel like I've saved a lineup and I had, and I, and I didn't. And so I missed out in our premier league, you know, premier relegation. And I, I didn't start Adam Thielen, uh, where it would have, but I also didn't end up starting down cook in that same matchup. So I think it, it kind of evened out, but in general, I lost for like five points after the last night. So I think I, I would have still won that matchup, but it's my own fault for just being a bad owner. And so, my letdown of the week is this is the second time of the year that I've come out on the show and said I've been a poor owner. And the first one didn't lose me the matchup because I got dominated. But this one I think did. And I just have to be more careful, more careful about what I'm doing and actually hitting save. And that's a tip to, to everybody out there. Like if, if you join, if you're in the, uh, enough leagues, you have, to, you have to make sure you have to be tidy about everything. And so uh, another lesson learned. Yeah. No, that's that's – this is a good lesson, one that we can all learn from, because we all make mistakes. Uh, Trey, what, what about you? What was your uh, Earl Thomas middle finger of the week? <laughs> well, I uh, had a DFS. So I, I had listened to – I wish I could give credit. It might have been Elliot Christ that I listened to on a podcast uh, in maybe the last two weeks. And so he was talking about cash games versus DFS – and uh, I'm sorry, versus GPP, and he's like – if you feel like you really love your like best cash lineup, he said, it's always worth playing it in a GPP because if it, I mean, if you're playing all chalk, it's fine. You, you know, he said, sometimes he said, you won't likely win a tournament, but you can still cash. So I did it uh, each of the last two weeks. I did week two, week three, and didn't do very well in either of them. Well, this week I loved my uh, cash lineup and did really well. I, I cashed in four or five double ups this week. So I had entered a GPP with my best lineup, which ended up scoring 240 points. And literally like 15 minutes before the first games kicked off, I changed it and did like a more of a tournament and ended up scoring like 180 points. And I literally would have won a couple hundred bucks. Like had I left a lot, I mean, I was like kicking myself because I've never, I mean, I've never, like $20 the most I've won in a single, um, I, I play pretty low stakes. So, you know, just that like close, you know, that those, anytime you make those last minute lineup changes, uh, you just kind of kick yourself in the, in the face. That's kind of hard to do, but you, you figure a way out to do it. That old tinker stinker. Yeah, that, that's brutal. That's brutal. Um, my Earl Thomas middle finger of the week was just Sammy Watkins getting kicked out, knocked out of the game, got kicked out, knocked out of the Monday night football game so early. And so that cost me a matchup. I think I lost by less than two points. So I was bummed. Um, and, and then worse really is I can take that, but the Patrick Showtime Mahomes, it's like Patrick Showtime Mahomes does it again for the Kansas city chiefs. I, I mean, just uh, come on, just stop it. Is that Joe, Joe Tessitore, uh, the Monday night football, uh, you know, the, the lead guy on the broadcast uh, with, with the also awful Jason Witten. And, and Jason Witten, I, he, he seems like a likable guy, but it's very clear he's a rookie broadcaster. And just his takes are just so obvious, cookie cutter, and, and, and annoying. It's hard to watch that broadcast with those guys listening to him. Maybe after the season we can get Jason Witten to take over coaching the Raiders and get John Gruden back 
into the booth because he <laughs> was much more fun to listen to. Oh, we tell this, this guy right here. I interviewed him. He was great. Uh, he's a great kid. He's great conversation. But he is not an NFL quarterback. At least John Gruden is turning Jared Cook into a, a, a you know an elite tight end option. Seemingly, <laughs> I mean the numbers show that um, he's getting peppered with targets. So you got Jared Cook on your team. You're happy with Gruden. Jared Cook. Man, I have I have three teams where I. Uh, came into the season with Evan Ingram and two of the three actually picked up Jared cook early on in the season. <laughs> That's and awesome. It is working out beautifully because I do not have Evan Ingram. And what I do have is the tight end one. Uh, so, Hey, I wanted to see, have you guys checked on, see how your Scott fishbowl teams are doing? Cause I've got live uh, standings for all three of our teams. I, I looked it up today just to kind of check in and see. You guys know where you stand overall, like out of the entire 900? Oh, not oh, the entire yeah, 900. Yeah, all right. Oh, no. So we're going to – we got some yeah, surprises. I, I haven't looked because I, uh, I had a really poor start. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, let's just jump right into it. Let's find out. That's well, some great uh, commentary, guys. That's, that's, a great, that's a great segue, Will. Um, so of the three of us um, – Bringing up the the rear is uh, Will. Your team's two and two though, Will. So you're you're still in it. Very nice. Scored a scored a five hundred eighty eight total points, and you are team seven hundred and twenty seven out of nine hundred. But let's do so, the last two weeks. No, I mean we're just we're just going overall. <laughs> just an just an update. Really gonna bone me here. So second of the Joes, little drum roll here, suspense building is uh, yours truly at three and one with 699 points. Uh, a respectable 244th overall out of nice. 900 teams. Nice. And Ryan, the class of the Joes, at also at three and one, and 726 points scored, 167th overall. Not so, bad. Not bad. Yeah, and, and a lot can happen, Will. You're right. I, I've, my scores increased each of the last – Every week I've gotten a higher score. I scored like 216, I think, this last week. So I'm, I'm liking the way my team's shaping up. And uh, it should be fun to keep an eye on down the stretch. So Yeah, I don't know if it even helped me in the last two weeks. Just, let's just do the last one week because I, I put up 193. <laughs> uh, but the other weeks were s- subpar at best. Yeah, I, I I think my team is gonna, you know, like I was like excited two and zero, and um, I mean I I might compete for the division. I'm I'm third in my division. I'm I'm right up there with points. I've got Mahomes and Brady, so that that helped. But, but Brady's been the disappointment, right? I, I would have thought that Brady would have been the one putting up those uh, numbers that Mahomes is putting up, and, and vice versa, right? So so we'll see what happens. It's it's early, but uh, you know, it's fun. It's it's a fun league. So a quick quick question here about a lineup. And I think this is relevant to a lot of Russell Wilson owners out there. Do you start Russell Wilson this this week at home versus the Rams, or do you start Joe Flacco at Cleveland? I think I'd I, I think I'd start Wilson. I, I know the Rams have a good defense, um, but I, I think that the ceiling. I mean, the, the Browns have a decent defense as well. Um, I, I think that there's a decent possibility that's a really defensive battle. Um, and, and so I, I think Russell Wilson, he, he's got, you know, Doug Baldwin played last week and, and played fairly well. And um, 
I, you know, I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't be super excited about either of them. But, I, I mean, how many times have we seen Russell Wilson go into a matchup? He He's tended to struggle against L.A. over the last couple of years. That's probably my biggest fear. But how many times have we seen Russell Wilson go into a, a quote-unquote tough matchup and just kind of come out and do well? I, I think that, man, I can't say I'm excited about either of them, but I'd probably go with Wilson just for the, the, the rushing floor. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I agree. It's hard for me to trust Flacco. I, I mean, yeah, I just um, – and Wilson is uh, – he's they're playing at home, right? Yeah, it's in Seattle. Yeah, so that helps too. That and they helps. have a great home field advantage. I mean, yeah. they, they really do. Um, I, th- I think that that is going to be an interesting game to watch. I, I really want – man, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I know the likelihood of this is so, so small, but how amazing would it be for the Rams and Chiefs to both uh, potentially go undefeated this year and meet in the Super Bowl as two 18-0 teams? The I mean, Chiefs are not going undefeated. Yeah. Maybe the Rams. I can get on board with that. I mean, I, I I understand. I mean, it's unlikely even for the Rams to do it. The Rams have a much better shot because they're they're top five in the league in both offense and defense. But a guy yeah, can dream, Annie. Yeah, I mean, I would love it. I would love for Showtime Mahomes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> to, Ooh. to light up the league. But it would also ruin every quarterback opinion I've had uh, with trades uh, at work that people have asked me like. Some guy in a dynasty league, 12 team, single quarterback starting, uh, I think four points for passing touchdown, six points for yards, you know, got offered a 2019 first and carry on Johnson for Pat Mahomes. He has two other quarterbacks on his roster. One is Ben Roethlisberger. I can't remember the other one, but he was like, I, I didn't take it. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. How do you not take that? Like that's a lot of value. But it's showtime. Keep yeah, there is a lot of value. One QB league, he didn't take that. That's that's. And he picked up Mahomes off the waiver wire. So it's like, but that, not that that really should matter in the grand scheme of things, but I think, it, uh, you know, under the helmet, one of the things Chad always talks about is like, well, what did you pick somebody up for? What did you get somebody for? What kind of value were you turning them into? That's also another uh, married to the game thing is uh, it just is, it's hard to to out, outweigh that. Like you're in a one quarterback. Do you think Mahomes is going to keep up this pace? You think he's still going to be this? Like this is uh, that's. I really don't see that as sustainable. But how, but also, you've enjoyed his weekly advantage at this point. So how do you just get rid of that? You know, for your future first and Karrion Johnson, who's been been fine, but he's not been. It's hard to trust as an RB one moving forward. Yeah, and, and I, you guys know about this, but just when you got the hot guys, whether it's Dynasty or um, Redraft Leagues, do think about putting it out there and shopping them around. Now, this is kind of a not the best example because I'm playing in this ESPN 1000 Chicago. It's this league. I went to this thing and a bunch of teams drafted. It's a big tournament. So I don't know the caliber of fantasy players I'm, I'm up against, but I get an offer out of the blue. Someone offered me Alvin Kamara and – Geronimo Allison for Patrick Mahomes and carry on Johnson. This is a one quarterback league four points per passing touchdown. Even if it was six, it's like, okay, I'll take, you know, the number one or number two running back <laughs> in, the, in the league for Patrick Mahomes. And I'll just pick up Matt Stafford off of waivers. Sure. No problem. So it, it just goes to show you. And I know that's like our listeners we're you're playing in more competitive leagues than that. Most of them, but it just, just goes to show you, you just, you just never know. So. Uh, my my thing was when it came to the general when like the general question was asked of me, 
what do you think of this deal? And I was like, to me, it's, if I guess if I had Mahomes and I get offered a 2019 first, even if it's a little bit later and Kerry and Johnson in a one quarterback league, Oh yeah. Playing dunk in my eyes. Like, yeah, yeah, but, 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 but I want to widen this back a little bit to relate it to your own league. So somebody's offering you this, is that maximizing your value? You know, like, have you shopped it around enough to know that this was the best that you can get and then bring it back? You know, because I think in a, in a super competitive dynasty league where you have a lot of dynasty players for a long time, that's an easy deal for you to make because you know what that value is going to be next year. If you have like Ben Roethlisberger and another quarterback on your, like another, I can't remember the other guys. But I mean, it's, it's another like top, you know, 15 quarterback. Uh, that should be an easy, easy deal, you know, but when you, if you can rewind it back a little bit and maybe rationalize it within a league to why you maybe ask for more, but we had a, we had a, like a little 10 minute work chat about it. And I was like, yeah, dude, I would have taken that in a second. Uh, but then I had to, I had to bring back my opinion between what leagues I'm in versus what league he's in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You definitely know your league and know the owner too, because you know, yeah, I would agree. Sometimes you, most of the time you do want to find out what maximum value you, you can get, but there are some owners that, just kind of get in the mood to make deals and they're going to make a deal that day. So if you don't make the deal with them that day, you might lose out. So if you're with one of those owners and you know it, they're kind of like today they want a deal tomorrow. They don't. Maybe you take the deal knowing that maybe I'm not getting maximum value, but I know I'm getting a great value because this guy tomorrow may feel differently. So yeah, I often fall into the emotional deal vicinity where I'll be like, yeah, I'll probably do that. And then they'll say, no, they'll come back to me two days later. Nothing's changed. But they'll be like, Oh, do you want to make this? I'm like, nah, I'm out. Like, right. I've no. changed my mind. Two days is too long. It definitely happens. It definitely happens where you just like, today I'm going to improve this team. I'm going to make a deal. And you just, you know, want to do it. And the next day you're like, oh, what? Well, you know, I don't really care. So, all right, let's get into DFS guys. So this is something new for the Patreon show we're going to introduce. And one of the reasons we wanted to make this available for everybody. Um, and we're not claiming to be DFS experts. The idea behind the segment um, is to just share with us, you know, what information and knowledge we're acquiring throughout the week from people that are DFS experts and things that have worked for us and, um, you know, go from there. So hopefully you will, we'll all learn together and, um, it should be a good time. Um, should be for good discussion. This will be on the Patreon show and people that don't want to li- listen to DFS talk. Hey, you know, guess what? We'll, uh, um, you, you can, you can plow through it. You know, you can, you can well, I mean, play. I did win the Konami code DFS this week, so. In yeah. theory, yes. Actually, <laughs> yeah. You want you want to make sure that when there are multiple games, that you get the your lineup set in the right game, and it, it, yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'll let you and Trey get into that. But um, <laughs> but, but, but Trey, Trey, Trey is a Trey. Why don't you tell your DFS story? Uh, because you're you maybe you dabbled a little bit last year, but you've gone into it hardcore in 2018. And you have systematically done it. You've got a strategy every week. So do you want to talk, talk to our listeners about that? Yeah, last year uh, I tried DFS a few weeks. I put like 10 bucks or 20 bucks into my account on DraftKings or FanDuel and uh, pulled up the slate and uh, entered a couple games. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll do this you know, GPP game and then I'll do this cash game. And I kind of built my lineups kind of similarly. I knew with, with GPP roughly that you wanted some higher upside guys. And, um, and I just picked guys that I kind of liked and I did horrible. I, I don't, I think maybe, you know, nine or 10 contests last year, I think I got something back in, in two of them. 
And um, so this year coming into it, I uh, had done a little bit more reading and, and learned a little bit more about DFS and have kind of been fairly systematic early on the first couple of weeks. I didn't jump into a ton of contests. I did a bunch of maybe like three or four each week, um, you know, three and five dollar double ups and um, kind of toying around with different sizes. I did a couple that had just like 20 people, did a couple that had like 40 or 50 people. Um, and then basically I was entering one GPP a week and I've kind of increased it each week. So now this last week I did five $10 double ups, but I'm also finding that I'm, I'm increasing the number. I'm, I'm trying to get into a double up between like 50 and hundred people. So not super small, but not super big anyway. So that kind of increases the number of people that are there. Um, and, and for those of you that don't know a double up, essentially, um, you know, you, you pay $10 if you're in the top, it's, it's like the top 45% because there's the rake that, you know, the DraftKings um, site actually takes. So it's, it's like the top 45% of that bunch, then you double your money. And if you're not, then, then you don't win any money. And, and I've been very systematic too about some people that I'm following, you know, Elliot Christ and, and Adam Levitan. Um, Evan Silva has been a guy, I like to read his, he's got a lot of um, analytics type statistics in his breakdowns weekly. Um, not, not just, you know, he doesn't go into this, this, this guy's a good DFS value, but he'll, he'll say like, you know, that like Tyler Boyd last week he was on and, you know, you look at Tyler Boyd's price and it's super cheap. Um, so I, I play on DraftKings and, you know, one of the other strategies that I've been kind of utilizing is, you know, DraftKings, essentially you have nine starters, quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end flex and defense. It's full PPR. And there's bonuses for like 100 yards rushing, 100 yards receiving. And uh, so you get $50,000 to spend on these nine spots. So ultimately, you know, if you divide 50,000 by nine, you know, you, you have roughly like $5,500 per player. Um, and, and when you start looking on there, there's, there's you know, the, the, the high-end players are, you know, eight to $10,000. So ultimately you have to find ways to kind of budget. And so each week, Typically what I do is I, I usually will kind of start, I, I try to usually go cheap at tight end and defense. I look for good matchups. You, one of the things people get tripped up on, I think, is they see the Jags and they're like, oh, I'm going to take the Jags and pay, you know, $3,800. But it's not the same as defense scoring in a lot of leagues. It, you really just get rewarded primarily for um, turnovers, sacks. So you really kind of like, like the Colts have been a real sneaky good defense, even, even have as people are, no, are, you know, like expecting it as they've been, you know, putting pressure on the quarterback. Um, and, and so usually I just spin down a little bit at, at defense and I try to take a flyer on tight end. And, and Jared Cook made that very, you know, I mean, even early on in the season, there was a week where I started Neil Sterling for the Jets and, and he got me like six or seven points, but he was like a thousand dollars. So I usually try to find big time deals, uh, discounts at those two positions. And then normally I try to find a couple wide receivers. There's almost a, last week it was Sterling Shepard. It was um, not Aldrick Robinson. Who's the guy that we, Gabriel, Taylor Gabriel. Um, it was um, Tyler Boyd. Um, so you, you, there's each week, there's inevitably some lower tiered um, wide receivers that you can grab for around 4000 to $5,000 that allow you to kind of spend up. I'm a big fan of spending up for guys like Kamara and Gurley. 
if you can, because those guys are just locks for 30 points. And, you know, you, even, even in a cash game, I mean, you really want in cash games to be able to secure um, as many points as you can. But, you know, the, those, those guys that have safe floors, I mean, if Kamara comes out and has a terrible week, he's still going to score 15 or 16 points. Like the likelihood, unless he gets hurt, that he's going to score five points is almost just zero. Um, so that, that's kind of how I've been t- attacking it, going about it pretty strategically. I try to keep a main core. I usually will kind of switch out. Like, like this week, I'm probably going to have a, a couple games where I'll have Julio Jones and a couple of Antonio Brown. You know, it's the same game. I expect a lot of points. I try to stack. Uh, usually I try whatever quarterback I have, I try to stack at least one of his other play. I try to go with quarterbacks and high point total games, games that can shoot out. Last week I was big. I think every single double up I did, I started Andy Dalton. Um, and that turned out well. And his price was, I mean, he was like the 10th or 12th most expensive quarterback. So not only did I get an amazing production, I got incredible value and it allowed me to spend up for, for, um, you know, last week it was Alvin Kamara that I spent up for. So that's kind of the, kind of the nuts and bolts a little bit behind the way I've been attacking DFS, mostly cash games. I've been doing like one or two GPPs a week just to throw in a, a fun lineup to go for, you know, a big payday. Nice. Very cool. Um, and we're going to get into some picks for, for this week, but will you want to talk about your, I can talk about mine in a second, but you want to talk about your experience with, with playing DFS? Yeah. So one of my intros to DFS last year, and I'm pretty sure I talked about it as one of my letdowns of the week was missing out on starting uh, Jerick McKinnon over Latavius Murray on Thanksgiving. And if I had to switch those up, I would have been, uh, pr- pretty high up there and would have won a few thousand dollars in a GPP on FanDuel. But my, so my general experience this year is in the league that we're in the Konami code where we've been doing it. And I've, and I've had, you know, some successes here and there. And the biggest thing that, that I've taken away from it is just because there are some, some very obvious plays, don't be afraid to, to still play somebody who is a, stud running back. And my example last, last week would be uh, Zeke Elliott. Uh, you had Tevin Coleman. You had Giovanni Bernard. You had, uh, I can't remember who else, who, who were very cheap plays, but you could pay up a little bit and get a guy like Zeke Elliott, a guy who's a very focal point of an offense, but he was still relatively cheap comparatively, maybe $1,000 more there. And it's, you, you do have to, you have to look at the whole situation of what you're in. And this wasn't, you know, this wasn't a GPP. This wasn't a cash play. This was just like a, you know, small, small team environment, but, uh, you know, daily, you got to kind of separate yourself from just what you think is a value and, and understand where to spend your dollars correctly. And that, that, I guess that's my best advice that I have. I, I don't think there's, I don't have a great like weekly play like, like trade as he knows so much more than I do about this, but when you have a good gut feeling, go with it. Cause that's what you're playing cash games for. Yeah. And I kind of, um, started dialing with TFS last year and I, and I played mainly I played GPPs for a lot of reasons. It, it, a lot of times I would do, there would be like a Sunday night football, Monday night football, um, GPP. And I knew I would watch those games. So it just gave me, you know, put some more skin in the game for me. Uh, and what I learned from doing that, not that I'm certainly not an expert was that if, if you're going to play with those big tournaments, you need to go with some contrarian plays and you want to have some lineups that, that might look kind of gross to you because a lot of times the lineups that were just disgusting, um, you know, paid off for me. Like, for example, 
Um, I can't remember the rest of the lineup, but I, I played in a GPP during the, the Sunday slate last weekend. And, and I, I didn't finish high, but I finished in the money. And, you know, I had a guy like uh, CJ Beathard um, starting at quarterback for me. So, and for what I paid for him, you know, he performed, you know, got me some points. Uh, you know, he probably outperformed the expectations. So in those games, what I like to do is I like to go with about, you know, a good half of my lineup studs that I think are going to do really well, go chalk, and then the rest of the lineup, just be contrarian. Just play guys that I don't think anyone else is going to play. And there are a lot of great tools out there, that you, and you can check to see uh, percentages of ownership, and, and that can help you out. So that, that's my advice for those. But I, I think the more to the point is you want to be systematic like Trey if you want to be really successful and have a system and play more of those 50-50 games and, and really think about it if you want to grow your bankroll over time. But if, if, if you just have a few bucks each week you want to play with, like me, it's for me, it's entertainment value. And if I win, that's great. I, I'm much less systematic about it. So, but if you want to make money, you, you know, you, you got to be serious about it because there are a lot of people that do it full time for a living and they're very serious. They know what they're doing. So you want to be armed with information. So, all right, guys. So do we want to talk about uh, week five? Good plays at the different positions. Trey, you, yeah, you, could, you just have us quite the list, and I got some guys I want to ask you about that are on your list. So, and yeah, so those too. Yeah, so these are guys that just kind of glancing through. I've I've started to I I just started kind of today digging in. Um, there's some some good podcasts out there. You know, if you guys, um, one of them that Adam Levitan does um, is a good podcast. Actually, uh, Sean, who's who's kind of in a little DFS chat that we have on GroupMe turn me on to and, and I really like Adam Levitan's the guy I follow on Twitter um, and, and I mentioned some other names earlier you know Elliot Chris and um, Evan Silva I, I like to follow those guys and just see what they're putting out but at first glance this week there uh, and most of these guys I feel like I like them either because of matchup um, or value or both um, so at quarterback the two guys that I'm probably playing in almost every single cash game that I play is Blake Bortles and Matthew Stafford. And I know that that sounds pretty gross, at least for Bortles. But you have to remember, he's going up against this Kansas City Chiefs defense, which has allowed, uh, like, in the, they're in the bottom three in pretty much every defensive category as far as fantasy points allowed, passing yards allowed. Um, and, and not to mention, uh, Leonard Fournette's out this week. So if you look at Blake Bortles' career since Leonard Fournette joined the Jags, the weeks that Leonard Fournette is out, Bortles throws the ball more. He runs the ball more. His fantasy production is increased, and he's $5,500. Matthew Stafford may be kind of, kind of becoming my favorite play, though, because the Packers travel to Detroit to play this game. Um, I, I, don't, I think it's pretty well documented, Matthew Stafford's capability as a quarterback in the NFL and, and putting up production. I think that there's a little bit higher risk that he loses, you know, some some – touchdowns potentially when they get in the red zone because they've got some pretty decent weapons they're rotating there at running back. But at $5,700, um, I like Stafford. Um, at running back, I like TJ Yeldon. Uh, the aforementioned Leonard Fournette will be out. TJ Yeldon at $5,600 in full PPR going up against the aforementioned Kansas City Chiefs defense. I, I mean, they're just hemorrhaging yards. It, once you get to the second level. And TJ Yeldon, people just underrate the guy. He is a good running back. And I think he put up over 20 points last week. He's going to catch passes. He's going to be involved in the offense. And I think at $5,600, he's going to be chalk. Like, he's going to be played in 50 
to 60% probably of cash games, but that's because at that price, he's, he's just going to produce. So he's a guy like, I think Joe Mixon at 6,900 is kind of underpriced coming back. I think he could have a pretty good week this week. Um, James Conner, 7,500. I, I like James Conner. I think he's in a great spot this week, but he's the sixth most expensive uh, running back. And, and that's what makes him a little bit concerning. And Trey, you got cut off. That's the magic of a uh, Patreon, um, you know, uncut censored Joe. So you were saying you're a little bit worried about um, was it were you were you were on checking on Joe Mixon? James Conner. No, oh, on, we are on James Conner. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean he's he's facing. It's very well documented this Atlanta team and what they're giving up to pass catching running backs. I'm just a little bit concerned with Conner. His usage over the last three weeks. You know, week one he came out and just exploded, but his fantasy production has kind of dwindled over the last three games. I do think that there's probably a lot of passing that happens in this game. Um, I do think he's a reasonable play, but he's probably not one of my favorites. Um, David Johnson at 6,300, I think, is just criminally underpriced. I think that this week in San Francisco that he's got a real opportunity to have a, a breakout game, and he's really getting to the point where they're involving him a little more in the passing game. I think he's got a nice floor, and $6,300, I mean, is just a nice – floor price and then for the the wide receivers I've got three here that are all really cheap as far as what I think they can produce Muhammad Sanu strangely at four thousand dollars and this is just playing into that um, I think it's a 57 point over under if I'm if I'm not mistaken between the um, Falcons and the Steelers just massive points they're expecting um, you know, I think Mohamed Sanu has something like a, a, a 20% target share in that Atlanta offense, and, and uh, Pittsburgh is allowing even more uh, target share than that to teams wide receiver twos. He, he's been – he's the wide receiver. He actually leads the, the Falcons in snaps this season among wide receivers, even more than Julio Jones. The guy's on the field the entire game. And I think at $4,000, there's a real opportunity there for him to get you 10 to 15 points easily he catches a touchdown. It's just a bonus. Yeah, 57 Dante, and a half uh, over under. Yeah, yeah, which is the high of the week. Yep. Um, Dante Moncrief at 4,100. This, this is the fl- – your, pick your favorite flavor. Keelan Cole could be another good play. The reason I like Dante Moncrief is Dante Moncrief actually leads the Jags in air yards, believe it or not. And the um, Chiefs right now are like, I think, the worst team in the NFL – in air yards allowed. They're allowing the, the most uh, long, like greater than 15-yard passes, completions. Um, so, so they're basically allowing these downfield throws. And Moncrief's $4,100 and, and would make a nice stack with Bortles. And then Marvin Jones. This is probably the one I'm going to play more than anything. It, it's going to probably be for me, Matthew Stafford and Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, I know that a lot of people consider him to be the kind of the third um, the, the third guy in the pecking order there in Detroit. But again, at $4,700, he's just so cheap. And his last four games, if you look back, his last four games, it's a little narrative street, but his last four games against the Packers have been pretty impressive. He scored a touchdown in three out of four, been over 100 yards in two out of four. So he, he seems to play, play well against Green Bay. It's at home. And um, again, he, he's getting some pretty decent air yards as well. So these are just some of the guys, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not, like, I love Julio. I love Juju. I love Antonio Brown, but but the key for me is finding these cheaper plays that can really put up decent production for you. When you put a guy like Tyler Boyd in, and he has 11 catches for 100 yards, and you get you know 22 points and spend like 3,900 dollars, that just completely unlocks your roster and allows you to put guys like Kamara in and 
So I, I love these guys that are, you know, quote unquote bargains at, at their price. Yeah. And the great thing about getting some of these bargains, as you point out, then you can get Brown and, and Julio Jones, because if you want Antonio Brown right now, you're going to pay $9,100, Julio Jones, 8,500. So you're paying big bucks, you know, and I like to get like a stud running back or two in my lineups. And, you know, if I, if I want to get Todd Gurley this week, $9,400, if I want to get, um, um, Melvin Gordon, it's 8,600. So you get the idea. Um, uh, I, I like to go cheap at quarterback. I'm curious, Trey, what you think about Derek Carr this week. Um, you know, he's playing the Los Angeles Chargers, and, and you know, they, they are not – right now with the injuries they have, uh, he might be able to put some numbers up to the air, and he's only 5,200. Um, would, would you consider that play? I would. I would. And, and actually, the, when I first went on, I do this every week, usually like Tuesday, just to kind of get a feel for where all the prices are. I get on and I build a lineup just purely like gut. Like I just get on and I scroll through and I try to see what, you know, I look at how many points they're scoring, what the ranking of their opponent is. And my my gut lineup that I built this week, I put Derek Cart quarterback and Amari Cooper at wide receiver because Amari Cooper is only fifty five hundred dollars. Right. Which you know, again, when you're talking about upside, you know, I mean, unfortunately for me, Mar- Amari Cooper is one of those guys I probably wouldn't play. He'd probably be a good GPP play. Yeah, I think but, I think that stack in GPP is nice. Car. And yeah, GPP. but but in cash, it makes me a little nervous because yeah. it, it literally seems like he's either going to put up you know six or eight points or you know, 20 points and, and that I just don't want to risk that six or eight. Yeah. And then um, I, I kind of like Doug Baldwin. He's only 5,000. I, I mean, uh, and I maybe a little risky, maybe a better GPP play, I suppose, but I think for, for 5,000, I mean, that's, that's pretty nice. You know, I think that I'm going to do a GPP this week. We, we talked about it with Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. I, I you, do you have it pulled up? You, you, if you're right there, if you yeah, could I look up, I, I want to say he was like 5,100. I mean, it, it was 5,100. That's it. Yeah. 5,100 is absurd. So that's another stack that I think for a GPP play, because, you know, D- Doug Baldwin is, he's getting targeted last week. He ran like 60% of his uh, routes out of the slot. The, the only bad thing is that the, um, you know, the Rams are going to be able to kind of hone in on him. I mean, Tyler Lockett is, is a weapon there as well. But, um, and honestly, I, I, I wouldn't hate, you know, stacking, um, Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett in a GPP is like a hot, I mean, $5,100 is, is, is just kind of criminal, right? Russell Wilson at any point can, can just go off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It definitely, um, I, I like that call a lot. So Will, any, what, what do you want to add? You any plays you, you like this week and any, what, what any guys you're keyed in on? Well, my my thing would be watch watch the injury reports for Dalvin Cook. He's he's pretty low, and it's a little bit. I mean, it's not to be a homer, but fifty three hundred bucks if he's going to play a whole game if he's no longer on that pitch count. I think that could be a really great deal. The yeah. other one is uh, Deion Lewis at, at running back at fifty four hundred. He's actually slightly more expensive than Dalvin Cook, but uh, I think Deion Lewis has showed that he's just a better running back in that backfield. They're going into Buffalo. It's it's an away game. I, to me, it's just. Uh, I could just see him finally getting some touchdowns this week. Or if you want to go, let me go contrarian on you. I like that take, but like I said, these GPP lineups, you want to, sometimes you want them to look like garbage. What about Derrick Henry going into Buffalo? I mean, maybe this is the game where they try to get Derrick Henry going. They get a big lead and they, they run him. And we've seen this in the past, right? He, he, you know, they put him in the, towards the end of the game, the fourth quarter, he breaks off a big run or two, and, and he's nice. I mean, Derrick Henry's only $4,400, so another guy to think about in a GPP. 
Oh, those those dirty, dirty Titans. That's <laughs> that's how I feel about them. Yeah. They're so they're such a garbage team. I feel like and I, and when I took the when I said that you know they're going to win four uh, four wins already at three and one just to prove Will Greenwood wrong is the only reason I can assume they're winning. I want to tell you that Buffalo. I think I think Buffalo is a really sneaky defense this week. I think that they 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 get pressure on the quarterback, and I think that the Titans. Uh, I know that they beat the Eagles last week, but you know that's an overtime, you know, big time emotional win. Um, and, and so I think you know having to play an extra fifteen minutes of football is not insignificant. And and I think the Bills are a little underrated. This game's in Buffalo. I mean, it's a thirty nine point over under, so points are, are not expected to be at a premium. Right. And I think that Tennessee has some questions on that offensive line. So I, I really like the uh, I really like the the Bills defense this week as a sneaky defense. And, and overtime's only ten minutes now, right? What's that? Overtime's only ten minutes now, right? Oh, is it only ten? I thought it was a full fifteen minutes, but I, I don't. I might be wrong on that. Yeah. Anyway, unimportant. Unimportant. But we'll, we'll fact check that. Those um, bills are good against teams after coming off overtime. Look what they did to the Vikings. Huh. Yeah, that, that's still, uh, that's going to, I think at the end of the year, we're going to look back at, at, at that, that loss, how, how the Vikings lost to the bills. We're all going to be like, kind of like scratching our heads. Like, how did that happen? Do we remember how that happened? So the NFL is going to NFL. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. I, lo- I really love the take of Sanu. Just because, <laughs> as far as GPP goes, uh, bank on Julio Jones not catching touchdowns. Bank on Calvin Ridley coming off his hot streak. And who who's next in line? It's Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, I, I like it's that. So much narrative streak going into that, but he's so I mean so cheap, and he, they're gonna have to put up points because they're going against the the Steelers, and you know the the Falcons are probably gonna give up points. But watch that game be like fourteen seventeen, you know. And again, have have everybody fooled in a fun way. I would, I'm, I'm buying Sanu in, in in daily for sure. All right, guys. Um, anything else we want to say about DFS? We should probably move on because we've we've got. I'm not sure how much time we have left, but we we we're going to talk a little bit about um, dynasty strategy after four weeks of the season. So shall we move right into it? Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> All right. So. I, I'm not sure who wants to to kick off, but I, I guess I will because I think this is a, this is kind of where you have to start is honestly assessing your situation with your team because this is a time where we think about if we're 0 and four or four and zero. For four and zero, it's like, well, I want to solidify my team. I want to go out and be aggressive. Or you're 0 and four, okay, you know, do I need to start selling off assets? Or if you're two and two, you know, what should I do? And I, I think there are a, lo- a lot of different ways you can do this because this is hard. I think when we look at our own teams. We have this bias, right? So. You know, you can use tools out there. You know, Football Guys has tools where they'll go and assess your team and your future outlook as, as one example. Or you can just ask a league mate from a different league to look at your team. Or you can go to a message board and post it on uh, you know, Dynasty Football subreddit, for example. A lot of different ways you can do it. Um, and, and, you know, there are all kinds of different ways you can classify teams. I don't think it's just you're a contender or not or you're building for the future or not. You might be a serious contender versus maybe a kind of a soft contender Maybe you're a surprise contender. Maybe you're a productive struggle, and all of a sudden you're 4-0, and you're looking at your team, and you're thinking, man, maybe I can do this thing. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Maybe you're a complete rebuild. So I, I think before we talk about getting into these other strategies, just figure out where you are, and, and, and that's going to base on you know, based some decisions of what we're going to talk about. So um, who, who wants to jump in next? Let's go, Trey. 
<laughs> well, I feel like I've been talking a lot tonight, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it going. And I'm going to, I'm going to cut this. I'm going to kind of breeze through this pretty quickly, but um, you know, I, first of all, saw some of the notes from what you guys wrote and um, wholesale agree. And, and I'm excited for you guys to talk a little bit about it, but you know, one of the things I, I mentioned earlier, you know, just staying the course. we talked about this last week, staying the course, honestly assessing there there's no week where you should honestly assess your team it should be every week right it should there's it's not like okay it's week four it's you know if you're four games in now it's time to honestly you always should be honestly assessing your team if you're four no and you are like sixth or seventh in points scored like you are not a lock to win the title you need to make moves you're you know but, but at the same time um you know, Jordan McNamara has shared some information about bye weeks and how I want to say that bye weeks like almost triple your chances of winning a championship versus just making the playoffs because you only have to win two games instead of three. So you're decreasing the likelihood that you go up against a team that just has a boom week, right? Instead of having to win three games, you only have to win two. So, right. you know, if you are 4-0 and you are the six or seven team in points scored, I think it's an even better reason to be aggressive because at 4-0, you know, you've got a pretty good chance with, with only nine games remaining to potentially get a, a bye. So I may be a little more aggressive even. So, you know, just look at your team. Look at where you stand. No, you know, there's going to be – I've got some some incredible teams right now that are two and two. I'm not panicking. I'm continuing to put in the studs. I know they're going to come around. You know, there's guys that are just underperforming this year, and you know they're going to come around. The other thing, and, and I'm not going to go super in-depth into this, but start looking at playoff schedules. And I know that seems silly, and I know it seems a little early to be doing that, but if you truly feel like you're a legitimate contender – if you truly feel like you are uh, uh, not a lock, but, well, I mean, maybe you feel like you're a lock or you feel like you're in a good position to, to make the playoffs, one, don't rest on your laurels. Find an opportunity to make your team better. Whatever it is, make your starting lineup better. If you've got some bye weeks that are going to be rough, go ahead and, and make some moves for, for guys that you can fill in there. But the other thing is there's some really good and, – and there's guys that – there are guys that are affordable. Guys like Buck Allen, guys like James White, Quincy Anunwa, Doug Baldwin, Rob Gronkowski that have like top six or seven at their position um, schedules for the playoffs. And I know a lot can change with defenses. But I think all of those guys are guys that, you, that can be had cheap. I think Rob Gronkowski is a guy – that you could potentially get cheap. He's kind of underperformed, but you know, Julian Edelman's coming back and, and that the Patriots offense is going to find a way to produce. So don't rest on your laurels, do what you need to do to make your team better. If you feel comfortable where you're at and you, 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 you don't have any opportunities to make any big moves, just stay the course, keep managing your lineup, keep sticking with the guys that you know um, are going to, produce and just let the let the rest of the season come to you don't don't force it well i like what you put on the sheet about um about not necessarily being in a hurry to to do anything or like if you're you're a team and you're not, you haven't started off so well maybe you are that 0-4 team that you don't want to panic you don't want to go crazy so you want to talk about that well why don't you just read the whole thing ryan <laughs> No, I'm not going to talk about it. Come on. 
No, so, so <laughs> no, no, I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up. I, I, I have I'm a huge your thunder for for holding out hope when I have an 0 and 4 team or I have a, a 1 and 4 team after week five. Where if I think I've just had some, okay, it's a bad luck. Even if it's not even that bad of luck, if I'm like the eighth best scorer in a league, I'm two and two, and I'm like, oh, you know, I can, I, I'm getting the playoffs, and then anything can happen. And I am a big believer still in that, that that if you think you can make the playoffs, you should. But I think the biggest thing is, so we're four weeks in, and I know this is a dynasty strategy show, and we're talking about like buying and selling, but maybe pump, pump, pump the brakes on how your team is doing. Maybe you had some raw luck and you had Leonard Fournette and Devonta Freeman and, you know, Le'Veon Bell on one team. You were looking like a front runner and now it's on your own four. Let's not, let's not start selling everything for the future. Let's let a few, let's let a couple more weeks play out. Let's at least one more. Think about older assets like Larry Fitzgerald. If you're selling them now, you're not getting anything for him because of his injuries. Let him get a couple weeks of production. And if he doesn't, it's not like that's changing. You're, you're not going to get that much more or less for him. But let the season play out just slightly longer than what you're doing now. And if you really think you're losing and you think you're on the losing path, think about your start set decisions. I'm not I'm never an advocate for full on tanking. But, you know, if you have that uh, you know, John Brown versus Michael Crabtree start set decision, maybe put Crabtree in the lineup instead of John Brown in a game where you think that, you know, maybe Crabtree's a decent base, but John Brown could be that weak winning player. Maybe, you know, make those decisions that that don't look awful and they're not overly intentional tanking decisions, but they are, but they are slightly. Uh, my, my, my big point is under any circumstance with your, with your players and your team, don't under any circumstance panic sell. Don't be 0-4 and looking for first round picks for your good players. That is a huge, huge, huge mistake. There are so many more weeks left in the season before your trade deadline. And there's so much more left to where you can, you know, be patient Figure out what people want. Somebody's, you know, some player is going to get injured at some point. This is the NFL. This is what happens. So let the league play out maybe a little bit more before you start selling hard unless somebody comes to you with a good deal or you feel like you can take advantage of somebody. Yeah, and I think kind of building on what you said, Will, and getting back to talking about assessing your situation, you want to assess your situation now and what you want to do with your team because I think sometimes – Teams will start off not so hot and then they'll panic sell or whatever. And they're not really thinking about, are they going to contend in 2019? You know, it's like, you know, why did you sell that asset? And yeah, maybe you got this first round pick or something or rookie picks, but that's an asset that you could have used next year because maybe you've got Le'Veon Bell that's doing nothing for you because he's not playing and, and Alshon's been out and, and, and Freeman has, has missed uh, uh, several games. Uh, but those are guys that could, probably help you next year. So are you just going to sell them now thinking you're out of it when they're guys that can help you next year? So you want to, I mean, maybe it's obvious, but I think sometimes we're just looking at like, uh, like either we're contending this year or we're, you know, or, or we're totally rebuilding and we just want to get all youth and rookie picks. And, and there's definitely something to be said about not being stuck in the middle, but at the same time, you know, it, it, things can change quickly. A couple of different, a couple moves can make a, you know, a soft contender into a really strong contender. So that and, and then the other thing with surprise contenders if you're a surprise contender if you're that productive struggle um just re- just remember what you're trying to do i mean yeah maybe you can win with with your team but don't necessarily sell pieces that you're excited about useful pieces you're excited about for a, a veteran that's gonna help you win now uh, and, and then you know sacrifice some of that 
dynasty element, that dominance you're going for in future years. So I, I think that's something that, that you see sometimes. You want to be aggressive, but you have to balance that. So you really do have to think long-term, like what are you trying to do um, this year and beyond? And I think sometimes we do get short-sighted. So. Yeah, like if, you, if, you're, if you're out shooting your coverage and you have uh, James Conner, you know, as an example. So you've won a couple of weeks in the back of James Conner, but the rest of your season you don't really trust him. Maybe, maybe start looking at what you can sell for some other pieces, even after this week and, and beyond. Keep, keep, the, keep the long-term in mind. I, I have to be very cognizant of that because I'm horrible at – I love to compete every year, and I want to be in – at least want to be in there because I do feel like when you get to the fantasy playoffs, a lot of things can happen. Uh, but if you think you're going to the season one way and it, it flips a little bit, just, just keep, keep in mind that just because you're 3-1 and one doesn't mean you can't go – three and nine on the year, you know, like three and, you know, three and 10 on the year. It's very easy. <laughs> you know, I want to mention this too. <clears throat> you know, you talk about even if you're not dead set on making a move, you guys ever been in a league and you see a trade come across announced and you think to yourself like, Oh man, I would have paid more for that guy. Or, you know, I, I could have used that guy. I, I would have paid something similar for that particular player. Um, and, and so one of the things I find helpful is to be active in the league chat and uh, let people know, hey, I'm willing to – even – you may not even end up trading for the player that they're talking about. But, you know, if someone says, hey, I'm looking to add a tight end or, hey, I'm looking to, you know, sell my, you know, 2019 first or whatever, just always jump into the direct chat or send them an offer or engage in some way, shape, or form either – you know, I'm I'm not one for just cold sending someone an offer out of nowhere. Like I'll, I'm more likely to send them a direct message and say, "Hey, look, I'm I'm interested in buying James White. What 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 would you want for him? A future pick, a, a player? You know, what what position are you looking to upgrade? Um, but but just be active because I'll tell you that what's going to happen if you're not maybe maybe you're content with where you're at right now. You don't really want to make any moves. Well, over the next three or four weeks, while you're just kind of sitting pat you know, there's going to be deals that are made and you might miss out on opportunities to buy guys. So I think it's just helpful to be active with your co, co with your other, other owners in your leagues and, and in your league chat, making offers, um, updating your trade bait on MFL. And that ties into something, Trey, I don't have a list of exactly on the show sheet, but there are certain powers, powers of persuasion and you can Google that. Um, getting tra- And I put in getting trades done using powers of persuasion. One of those is, um, you know, likability and, you know, they, t- they talk about, you know, how companies sell things by putting attractive people in their ads. Well, um, I, I don't think your fellow dynasty owners compare, care about whether you're attractive <laughs> or not, but they, but they do care if you're nice, if you're engaged, if you're funny in the chats and, and that does make a difference. I think getting deals done because you want to deal with people that you like, that you have a relationship with that are just, are just fun to talk to. Um, and, and you don't want to necessarily be the, the a-hole of your league because I think it's going to be harder for you to get deals done, in, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, maybe you'll get some deals done because, you know, you're the a-hole and um, you have some players other people want. So there, there's a lot to that. Also, powers of persuasion I think we overlook is, um, like, like, I like to – it's not all about knowing league mates. And I like to kind of figure out, like, what I think they're listening to and, you know, what information, you know, what they're looking at for information. And that, that idea of social proof, you know, if everyone is into it, then you should be into it too. So I think there's a popular podcast that's talking about, um, oh, you know, like going to the year, like Royce Freeman's going to have this great year in Denver. 
and, and you maybe you don't believe that Chris Freeman's going to have this big year. Well, take advantage of that. There's social proof out there that, you know, we went, or Patrick Mahomes is probably a better example, you know, um, and, and you know, he's popular and everyone's talking about how great he is and stuff like that. So if you're a Mahomes owner, it's an advantage because he's, there's that social proof that, um, you want to be a Mahomes owner. Um, and then the idea of scarcity, just, um, when you have, if you do decide you want to make some trades and, and you have one of those stud running backs, um, don't be afraid to mention that. I mean, I, I know people say, well, you know, I, I don't like to get trade offers where someone's telling me a story, but I think if you're smart about telling a story, like without it coming across as like you narrative of what an owner should do, it can be effective. Like if you put in the chat, you know, Hey, I'm going to offer um, Melvin Gordon. Did you know that Melvin Gordon has, uh, you know, th- three weeks of, uh, or is it, of being the running back one. He's having this amazing year. I know he can help out a lot of teams. Or, you know, you send a message to an owner saying, you know, I could really see Melvin Gordon, you know, helping your team. I'm looking at your team, and I think, you know, he's the piece that you need to win this year. So paint that picture of them being the league champion. And that's, that's a little bit of persuasiveness. So those little things can, can help you make deals. Yeah, let me give you an example. Uh, one, this person didn't send an attractive picture of themselves to me. So I was immediately against the trade offer. <laughs> that's for Ryan's tips. But uh, so it was James White and Larry Fitzgerald for Joe Mixon in a full PPR league. And, and my wide receivers aren't the studliest, but he goes, White has been a real solid, averaging 15 plus points per week. And Fitz immediately plugs in as your RB2. He meant to say WR2, but he said RB2. Uh, I'm just willing to take a chance on Mixon's upside over White's high floor. So, one, this assumes that I'm not paying attention to fantasy points whatsoever. And even though White, this was before this, this past weekend, and, and White did have a really great game. But it also, it also uh, you, know, you know, fits. He doesn't immediately plug in because that offense has been struggling. And then he's just willing to take a chance on Mixon's upside over White's high floor. When you phrase stuff like that, and even if I'm a regular player, and this guy doesn't know me because we're in a league where we've never met. But if I'm just some average person and I read that, to me, that reads as saying, okay, well, you know, does White really, really have a high floor? Like, now I'm going to go try to read some articles about James White and his usage and, and seeing what he's doing. And I'm going to go see how Fitz is doing. Uh, and you're going to see things are going very poorly for Larry Fitzgerald. But, but like, long story short is trying to write a narrative where you're the victim in a trade is a horrible idea. Yeah, well, and I think you want to tie that, if you're going to do something like that, tell the story, I think you want to tie it to that social proof. You want to tie it to like, what's the popular opinion on that? You know, because the, the problem with that approach, right, is that he's trying to trade you Larry Fitzgerald, who's clear, clearly in decline, and James White, who, yeah, he's had some big weeks, but it's that, that Patriots backfield, you know, I mean, he's like a, a pretty good floor play for, you know, Joe Mixon, who we already saw started to break out. So like, it, it, it is a weird approach. You know, I think when Joe Mixon's got the buzz that he has to go to an owner and to try to, I'll take the upside on Joe Mixon. That just, that, that just comes across as really like disingenuous. So I, I think, I think it can work if you, you know, uh, approach it differently. Like that's not the story you want to tell. You got to be smart about it. And if it, and if it, it went in doubt, probably just don't, don't do that storytelling piece. Cause you're right. It is a turnoff. It's like, huh? I always like to send a <laughs> message too. If it's just a, a blind trade offer in a league, with like some of the couple of redrafters that with my friends, there's really like a new person there. I'll say, Hey, this is where my mind's coming from. I try to, and the, the off first offer I'm going to send isn't going to be this, like a massive rip off or anything like that. It's to me, 
if I have like a lot of depth, I'm going to try to make their team better and just try to say why I actually think that's better. But like very, very casually, very casually. It's not say, yeah, it's, it's just the, the trade dynamic is very interesting. And the first rule is send you attractive pictures of yourself to them. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Without that, no deals well, getting done. I will say, Will, you you did that effectively when you joined Empire League. When I met Will in our Empire League, and and he replaced an owner that like dropped out during the startup, which was an ominous start to the league. So so Man. Will comes in, and Will has this, and and we are connect through through Facebook. So Will has this picture of him like very like this handsome, <laughs> nice bike, and so I'm like, oh, this is a good looking guy. So and, and and you came into the chat and you were very likable and friendly and, and you you totally nailed it, man. And so I'm telling you the 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 picture worked. I sent that directly to Ryan. It was actually in the in the, in the mail with the stamp and everything. <laughs> hey, Ryan. Autographed. Can I get some Zeke Z- 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 Elliott? Huh? <laughs> Can I get some first of all pay for Leonard Fournette? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know I think I think. Um, uh, Will you you and Trey both 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 have this down when you're talking about deals? Is that you're you are active in the chats and, and you're both very likable people and approachable and and you're fun to deal with in trades and that's that's all part of it too because you know people want to trade they want to have a good experience. I mean part of part of this reason we love Dynasty is that excitement and talking to their owners and trying to work out a trade deal and improve your team and um, yeah and there's some owners that just you don't have a very positive experience with whether they're not very communicative or I'm not saying you have to be like you know. The, the, the super likable but i mean you just have to be you know engaged is the main thing and that and that's that helps and that is likable in a league where you someone's paying attention owners that don't set lineups and how they have inactive people in lineups those are people that you don't want to deal with because that, that that they're not engaged in the league that's an example of what not to do i'll tell you one more quick thing and and it may be a little early for this but you know, look at the team. If you have this, this, this is a, the caveat is this is going to be in a situation where you know that you're not a contender, right? You, whether you've suffered some injuries, you've invested in youth for whatever reason, you kind of have, you're being very self-aware. You're like not a contender this year. Go find those teams right now that are two and two that do not have good rosters and try to get their 2019 first. Try to send them a piece that helps them now. Because they're two and two and they think, man, maybe I can get, you know, maybe they're two and two, they're second in their division. Um, maybe they're two and two and they're first in their division because the, 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 their division's kind of weak. But you look at their roster and you see, man, uh, this is not a top five roster. Uh, because if you can take, and, and there's a potential, you know, you could get, you could send them someone that uh, very easily in, you know, six, seven months, when their first has turned into the one, even if it's only the 105 or the 106, um, and you're sitting on, you know, next year's, I, I don't know that there's going to be a clear like 101 next year, but I think that next year's rookie class is shaping up to be a little bit deeper in that like second tier. So I, I just think that the acquisition of 2019 first, right now you can get 2019 first that, that people think are going to be later than they actually are. Yep. I like it. That's good. That's good. Um, any, any closing thoughts or should we get right into our hot, bold, spicy takes? <laughs> Make sure to take a real, real sexy picture of yourself and send it to your, 
trade partner. <laughs> I just can't get over this uh, aspect of dynasty training with uh, marketing aspect. Like it's me riding a centaur that is his Ryan and trade space. It's actually a two headed centaur. And so we get, I get all the trades done. I, I didn't explain it very well. Did I? No, no, I meant, I, no, meant that's... Just, no, just, just, <laughs> I, I have a marketing. I went to school for marketing, but just a reminder that like that, that exists out there that I think that like, it just cracks me up. The idea of me sending pictures of myself riding a two-headed cent- a centaur, centaur or centaur, uh, you know, horse-like animal with uh, Ryan and Trey on there. How could somebody resist? Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they could not. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> please let's move on. Uh, let's get that image out of our listeners' heads. But with our hot, bold, spicy takes for week five, there are five levels. There's banana pepper. There's jalapeno, there's habanero, there's ghost pepper, and then there's the almighty Carolina Reaper. We will get points assessed from the other Joes uh, from one to five. Um, recap last week. We are on the board. Um, so uh, I think, Trey, you got the lead. I got to give you credit where credit is due. You, this is a great call. It was, it was ghost pepper. You called Trubisky outscoring Fitz Magic. He did, clearly. The Bears beat the Bucks. cover spread by more than three. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, more fantasy points than Fitzmagic. I mean, you knocked it out of the park, my friend. You nailed it. I, I was uh, a suspect, but it was a great call. Thanks. Um, I am now second. Um, I called Cincinnati going into Atlanta and beating the Falcons. Five-point road underdogs on bet DSI, taking the over. Um, it was close, but I, but I pulled it up, pulled it out, so – and Will, um, let's see. You had like this three-way parlay, and you nailed uh, the well, Chubb, Nick Chubb part. <laughs> Nick Chubb, and the the Cleveland Browns should have won by double digits. But anyway, yeah. So, but it was, it was a nice call. So we're we're we're, we're hot rolling into uh, week five. So, uh, what do we got, um, Trey? You want to go first, last in the middle? You get to pick. You won last week, so tell us where you want to go. Yeah. So I'm actually going to go with. Uh, a little small parlay. Um, the first part of the parlay is, you know, we've got this this matchup that we talked about, I think, two weeks ago where I was like, does Kansas City play Jacksonville this year? And, and Will said, yep, week five. Well, it's here, week five. Jacksonville's going out to Kansas City. The game is a 49-point over-under. Kansas City is favored by three. And my prediction is that Patrick Mahomes is going to say super hot. He's a top three quarterback this week, shredding the uh, stalwart Jacksonville defense. And uh, Jacksonville loses by double digits to Kansas City. So two-way, top three quarterback week by Mahomes and uh, double-digit victory for the Chiefs. Okay, great. Well, initial reaction. Uh, I mean, I, I think those things are dependent on each other. But I, I just, I mean, I guess I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll go Carolina Reaper. I think that's worthy of it. All right, Carolina Reaper. Yeah, I think it's Carolina Reaper too. I, I mean, because I, I, you know, we saw Mahomes. I was on the road uh, playing against a better defense. Yeah, I mean, he was he was still good, but not top three quarterback worthy. I think it's going to be hard to get that against Jacksonville. I think he's going to, and Kansas City may win. Um, but, uh, I think, I think the Mahomes top three Q- QB is what really makes that a ghost pepper or excuse me, Carolina Reaper take for me. So, 
we're, we're locked in the Carolina Reaper. Okay, let's keep the momentum going. Will, why don't you go next? Even though the second place person should probably go next. But anyway. Oh, you want me to go uh, next? Yeah. Okay. Well, here, here's, well, here's the thing. I am still trying to think about what I want to do for my – Okay, I'll go. Here okay. we go. Teammates double trouble. Both Juju and Antonio Brown, along with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. I don't know why I just picked up the name there for a quick second. Uh, they all finished with the top eight of, of their position in half-point PPR. All right, so Double Trouble Juju and, and uh, Antonio Brown. And then, oh, so those are the – oh, they got the, the Double Trouble Parlay. I like this. Uh, wow, that's, um, that's interesting. You know I think, how I love my parlays and overextending myself. So. No, I love it. No, this is good, though. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there, and especially with Ingram getting thrown in the top eight. Um, I would go I'd go Carolina Reaper on that. Trey? He did. He's, he's on mute. Trey, what do you think? No, I said, oh, really? That's a Carolina Reaper for you. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a little more, I think it's a little more likely than I, I think that Antonio Brown and, and Juju both being top a is, is more likely that that's a pretty, pretty mild take because I think that that's the highest over under the week. Um, and, and Washington, New Orleans, you know, New Orleans is a seven point home favorite. And, and I think that there's going to be some points there. I, I probably would be more along the lines of a ghost pepper. I, I don't think that's, I mean, I, I can see it happening. Um, we, we saw last year, those saints, those, those guys were incredibly productive. But you're talking about, you're talking about four guys have to be within the top eight finishes of their position, Trey. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's why it's Carolina Reaper for me. But if you want to go ghost pepper, I'll put yeah, it in. I'll go, that's all right. I'll go Carolina Reaper. I'm, I'm good with it. I mean, t- yeah, top eight. I mean, no doubt. I think that it, it's definitely hotter. The, the New Orleans is less likely. I think that Brown and Juju being – I mean, I think they're second and third in the NFL in targets right now. So those guys, there's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. Narrative Street, Ingram met the team at the flight home after New York Giants. He's loving the New Orleans Saints. He's – you know, Sean Payton probably hugged him and said, hey, you're getting so many carries next week. <laughs> just, <laughs> all right, Ryan. All right, guys. Here, here, here's mine, and I, and I want to. I, I got to be hot because you guys are hot. So Atlanta going to Pittsburgh. I think the Falcons are going to win on the road. I think Matt Ryan and Big Ben are both top five quarterbacks, and I think Julio Jones scores a touchdown. That's what's going to make this hope for the Carolina Reaper because that's what's the hottest thing about the take is that Julio scores a touchdown. What do you guys think? Uh, <laughs> I just, I just. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot in there. But the how the Falcons are giving up a top five quarterback performance to everybody. Uh, Julio Jones scoring a GD. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go Ghost Pepper for the three way parlay, and I feel bad about that. But I, I'm changing mine to Ghost Pepper for yours then. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't move away. I feel like Ghost Pepper is generous here. So all right, Trey. I might actually have a little, little, down. little, little <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I would, I would agree with that. I, I think that there, there's some good quarterback, there's some good quarterback plays on the week. Um, but, but I think that you know, given that the game is the the highest over under of the week, um, 
and I think it's the highest by like six points. I mean, I no by four points. There, there's a 53, but I think that I think that really you expect some high production. I do think it's I do think it's Ghost Pepper though. I think it's hot. I think Julio getting a touchdown. I mean, that's that's bad that's to what happen. puts it. Yeah, that's what puts it over the top though. Come on. But that's so highly likely. We've, I mean, been, say, we've been saying that for weeks. No, but yeah. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool with Ghost Pepper. I, and uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going with Carolina Reaper with year with year as well. I'm just, I was just kidding. So, it's because uh, you guys didn't see it, but I actually texted Ryan a, an attractive picture of myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what swayed me. Like I gotta go back to Carolina Reaper. Will go ahead. Sorry. Uh, all right, we're, we're back to the magic of uh, you know technology. Once again, this is the uncut show, so we have to edit these shows together. Um, but that's it. Um, so those are our hot, bold, spicy takes for the week. And I, I think that's it. Any, any last, last second comments, words before we sign off? I'll, I'll pass it around. Trey shake his head no. Will is still laughing and sending me photos of himself. Well, don't uh, panic. Look good. <laughs> and try your best. <laughs> well, boom. All right. So we're the Fancy Joes. Follow us at FFJoes on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handles are in the show notes. And you can support us on Patreon to get more crazy shows like this every week in addition to the regular show. Um, that is uh, patreon.com slash fantasyjoes. So thanks for listening. On behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood. And we are the Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. A little pitchy, dog. A little pitchy, as, as Randy would have said. Waiting for the bass to come in, Trey. Yeah. I was sitting that one out. I'm boycotting the. (laughs) All right. Show you a boycott.